welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. Well, good day, Agape family. I'm coming to you again from my study. The Lord willing, we'll be able to be together next week, but we'll just have to wait and see on that. I invite you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. We've come to the end of this chapter and really the end of this first section of Paul's letter. And Paul ends this section of the letter in the same way that he began, with praise to God. You'll remember back in the beginning of chapter 1, in verse 3, he says, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Well, I'd like to lead you in a prayer of thanksgiving and praise to the Lord as we review what Paul has been writing about, the blessings that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ as revealed to us in these first three chapters. So let's just open our hearts to the Lord this, uh, just before the message and uh, thanksgiving and praise to Him. Father, if we focused on our problems around us, we could have an occasion to complain and be discontent. But we want to look to Your Word and remember who you are and what you have done for us in Christ. May our hearts, like Paul's, be filled with praise to you. Thank you, Father, for blessing us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Thank you for choosing us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that you, you have purposed to present us holy and blameless when we stand in your presence. Thank you uh, that you predetermined to adopt us as sons through Jesus Christ. Lord, we praise you for your glorious grace. Thank you for redeeming us through the death of Christ and forgiving us all our sins. Father, your grace has been lavished upon us revealing to us your hidden truths concerning your purpose in Christ for the dispensation of the fullness of time, when all things will be united in him. And Father, you've predetermined to give us an inheritance in Christ so that we might be to the praise of your glory. Thank you for sealing us with the Holy Spirit who guarantees the completion of our inheritance, which is also to the praise of of your glory. Father, give us by your Spirit wisdom and understanding, having the eyes of our heart, hearts enlightened, that we might know what is the hope to which you have called us, and what are the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of your power toward us who believe, according to the working of the great might that you worked in Christ when you raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Thank you, Father, 
for your rich mercy and great love in saving us. We who were dead in trespasses and sin, you have made us alive together with Christ, and you've raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And Father, you did all this so, then, so that in the coming ages you might show the immeasurable riches of your grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace we've been saved through faith. Thank you, Father, for the church, the body of Christ. Thank you for uniting us all together in Christ, both Jews and Gentiles, one in him, fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Father, strengthen us in our inner person with your power by the Spirit so that we might walk in fellowship of the abiding Christ. Lord, enable us to know your love and the fullness of your presence. To you be the glory in us and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Well, this is what God has done and is doing for us. And as Paul says, to be filled to the measure of the fullness of God is the pinnacle of all spiritual blessings. You can't get any higher than that. And so it is fitting that Paul ends with a doxology of praise to God that he might be glorified. Notice with me in chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. He says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Well, notice there's two main truths that Paul emphasizes in these verses. First of all, the why uh, that God is to be glorified, and it is because he is able. And then secondly, in whom God is glorified, and that is the church in Christ. And so, first of all, this morning, let's look at this first truth in verse 20, and the first emphasis of this verse, and that is that God is able. The word able, is dunamai, uh, speaks of God's ability or power to do. And then also the word power in this verse is the noun dunamis. Uh, God is all-powerful. He's omnipotent. In the Afrikaans, he's almachtig. And as you read the Old Testament scriptures, you are time and time again reminded of the power of God. His power, as you read through the scriptures, you're reminded that his power is revealed in creation. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. And also in Romans 1, verse 20, you remember, there were, Paul writes, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power 
and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. Here Paul is saying that the things that we can't see of God, and he specifically mentions his eternal power and divine nature, he says those things that can't be seen are clearly seen in his creation. Well, also, as we, as we look at God's revelation, we see him doing things that seem impossible. Uh, just to mention a couple, remember the promise to Abraham that he would be the father of a nation of multitudes and that God would bless him. And, and, but Abraham didn't have a son. And you remember that God repeated this promise of a son to, to Abraham and Sarah. And they, they waited and waited. Uh, it was 30 years they waited and until they were too old to believe that it was possible. In Genesis 17 and 18, God appears to, to Abraham again. And at this time, Abraham is 100 years old and, and Sarah is 90. God appeared to Abraham again and told him that the next year, Sarah would have a son. When Sarah heard this, she laughed herself in disbelief. And God asked Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Uh, waiting is difficult. Thirty years from our perspective now may, may not seem that long, but when you are living and waiting, it is a very, a very long time. And so we're admonished to keep praying, keep trusting God for His will to be done. Keep praying for that uh, loved one who's unsaved and seems to be hardened to the gospel. Keep trusting God for the things that he uh, would accomplish in your life and the life of other people. Um, God is able. Nothing is too hard for him. Another interesting testimony to the power of God happened when God was judging Judah, the southern portion, and they were to be delivered over to the Babylonians and taken into captivity. The northern tribes had already been taken into captiv uh, captivity many years earlier, and now Judah is to be delivered over to the Babylonians because of their rebellion and sin against God. And Jeremiah, the prophet of God, told the king, uh, King Zedekiah, that this was the will of God and that he would be taken into captivity also. Well, you can imagine this was not a, a popular message, and Jeremiah was put in prison. In the, in the city at this time, it had been under siege for two years. It was indeed a, a bleak time. Humanly speaking, there was no hope. But God had promised that he was going to bring them back into the land and that he would bless them. After 70 years, they would come back. Well, on this occasion, God 
tells Jeremiah that his cousin is going to visit him and request that he purchase a field. It seems that Jeremiah was the, the kinsman redeemer, like in the, in the, the story of um, Boaz. And so uh, God tells him that he is to purchase uh, the field. Now, this was indeed a, a very strange request at this time. The, the city's under siege, ready to be taken into uh, the Babylonian captivity. The land that uh, uh, Jeremiah's cousin wants to sell is already in the hands of the Babylonians. And so who would sell or buy land that was already captured by the enemy? Well, no one would unless they believed the promise of God. And so Jeremiah buys the land as God had instructed him. And in chapter 32, in verse 17, he prays, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth. And by your great power and by your outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. Well, God continues to reveal his unlimited power all through the Old Testament and into the, the New Testament. As we come to uh, this section of uh, the end of chapter 3 in Ephesians, we have this doxology of praise to God. And Paul says it this way in verse 20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. And Paul is just piling up words here uh, to the extreme. Uh, the, the New King James says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And uh, this is what Paul is doing here. He's, he's adding words on top of, of one another to make the point. He, any one of these three words would have been sufficient to make the point that God can do more uh, than we can ask or, or imagine and yet he, he uses three words, exceedingly, abundantly, and above. These are all uh, to make the point that God is able. Well, this doesn't mean that God gives us everything that we ask for. Uh, but he's making the point that we cannot comprehend God's ability. It is more than, than what we can imagine. Uh, think of the of the situation that Paul is writing about, and he's been talking about in chapter 2 and 3, about the Jews and the Gentiles. Uh, the, Gen the Jews would have been able to believe that God was going to save the Gentiles. There have been many promises in the Old Testament and prophecies related to the Gentiles and the nations, but no one could have imagined that God would remove the division that was between the Jews and the Gentiles, and that he would make them one, one body in Christ, the church. Uh, that is above and beyond all that they could have asked or imagined that God was going to do. And that's just one example of the many, the many things that God has done and is doing and will do for us. When we 
are walking in fellowship with Him, submitted to His will, we can ask boldly of our Father, who has infinite power. This is something that Paul wanted to drive home to these believers. Uh, they they have may, may have been doubtful about some of the things that Paul was speaking about. Could God really do all these things? Well, God had given abundant evidence of his ability. And yet we, like them, need God's grace and power to take hold of what he has uh, for us. Paul adds at the end of verse 20, according to the power of at work within us. You see, God's ability, God's power is not just an academic study. It, it is very practical and very powerful in our lives. It is the same power that worked in Christ to raise him from the dead. Back in chapter 1, you remember the prayer that, um, that Paul prays, verse 18 and 20. He says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. And then he says, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Not only is, is God's a powerful working great, but it is at work in us who have believed. Well, the second part of Paul's doxology shows us in whom God is glorified. And he, he says in verse 21, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so let's look at this, at this second truth that he highlights here, and that is that God is glorified in his church and in Christ. God's glory is the manifested perfection of his character. And we can see all through the New Testament revelation that God is glorified in Christ, and Christ is glorified by the Father. Uh, in John 17, where Christ prays this, uh, his intercessory prayer for his disciples and for those that would believe. He says in verse 5, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Uh, Christ is the, the manifest glory of God. Uh, when Christ returns to the earth to establish his kingdom, he's coming uh, with great power and glory for all to see. But this is uh, um, not really what Paul is talking about here. His, his mention of Christ here is in connection with the church. Uh, and this has been his emphasis in these uh, first three uh, chapters. Notice again back in chapter 1, verse 22, where he says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. For, uh, Frank uh, Thelman, in his commentary on Ephesians, writes, 
He is probably thinking especially of the close relationship between the church and Christ as the means by which God's glory becomes visible. The church is Christ's body, and God has given Christ as head over all things to the church. And so it is God's sovereign plan to be glorified in his church. And this is, has been the repeated theme in the letter. And there's, and there's obviously this close connection between the church, the body, and the head, Christ. And so uh, God gets glory through the church and through Christ. But the question for us is, does my part in the church contribute to the glory of God? And we know that it ultimately will for all genuine believers. But what about today? What about this week? Am I contributing to the glory of God? One author writes, God's glory is displayed in his church when we live in harmony and obedience and ask him to work through us for his purpose and glory. The glory of God should be the overarching gold of our lives. Uh, we can have many goals and, and desires, but the glory of God should govern them all. To glorify God is not to increase his glory. That would be impossible. But to glorify God means to acknowledge his greatness and give him honor by praising and worshiping him. God's glory is the revealed perfections of his nature. And we give him glory uh, by acknowledging who he is. We, we find instruct, instructive words in 1 Chronicles chapter 16. Verse 28-29 says, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. This is glorifying God that we speak that we ascribe to him the glory due to his name we bring an offering the offering of our lives the offering of our lips the offering of our service before the lord and notice he says in the splendor of holiness the holiness is a life that's set apart unto god it uh, belongs to him this glorification of God is not just for this age, he says, but for all eternity. Notice again, verse 21, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. May that truly be in our hearts and minds this morning and the week ahead that we would be as part of the church the means by which God is glorified. Let us pray. Lord, we do thank you and praise you this morning. We exalt your name, Father, for who you are, for your plan of salvation, for your great grace and power, for your wisdom and all that you have brought about. 
to redeem us, to glorify your name. Lord, may we in our own small way contribute to your glory and the making of your name great among those around us. Father, the only way we can do that is by submitting our lives to you in obedience and submitting our wills to your will so that you can use us, so that you can strengthen us, so that we can walk in the power of the Spirit of God. Lord, we don't have the power within ourselves to obey you and to glorify you, and so we are totally dependent upon you today. And may we walk in your strength and in your enablement so that you indeed might uh, be glorified in us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.